What's up, world? Welcome back to Authentically Us, the podcast where we talk about what it means to be authentic in everything that we do. I'm Conroy, one of your co-hosts. We got Tony here. Tony, say what's up to the people, man. Yo, what's going on? How y'all doing? And today, guys, first of all, we need your support. Give us a review. Give us a like. Share us with one of your friends. One of your friends and your auntie. One share. One share. We need your support. We're trying to grow this podcast because I feel like we have awesome stories that need to be shared. What do you think, Tony? I mean, of course, we don't miss. We don't miss. And speaking of that, we, we're not missing today. We got a special guest today. It's going to be amazing. Also, shout out to MSW Media. Um, thankful for you guys. Hey, lean into this. And let's get into the interview. Let's get it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentically Us. Y'all want to lean in today. We got Debbie Thomas on the podcast. She's a meditation coach. Uh, She has some free guided meditation on YouTube. And she's an author. What's going on, Debbie? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. You're doing great. Happy to be here. Excited to have you. Awesome. So let's just dive right in. Talk to us about where you grew up and what your upbringing was like. Yeah, so um, I'm originally from the Philadelphia area. So I was born and raised in a small suburb outside of Philly, um, probably about 35, 40 minutes away. Um, Even though it was a suburb, it wasn't an affluent one. So it still was kind of like considered poor or middle class. Um, So when it came to my upbringing, it definitely was a humble beginning. Um, I have two or three sisters, actually. They want to kill me for that. (laughs) Three sisters, (laughs) my mom and my dad. Um, I was raised in in the home with both of them. Um, Very solid Christian background, Um, raised Christian, was in church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then second service Sunday, and then third service (laughs) Monday. (laughs) Yep, I love Um, that. So, so yeah, was uh, definitely very active musically, uh, dance-wise, sang um, some um, different sports and things earlier on. And then as things progressed with my father, my father who eventually passed away from cancer, um, kind of, kind of got away from a lot of that. And that's where life started to kind of, you know, change and spiral and had some trauma and, and, and a lot of things has happened ever since then. So, um, I mean, that's, that's the beginning of Debbie. I talk about it in detail in my book, as far as like my life, um, and what I experienced. And I think, uh, yeah, no, I, I, that is awesome. I, I think, I think every person, Tony and I talk about this a lot. Every person needs to kind of come to a realization of what their faith looks like to them yeah. Yeah. and not necessarily like what our family, our parents, our pastors tell us. It's like, no, let me figure out what this actually means to me. Yeah. And 
it sounds like um, you're kind of on that journey. Um, I did want to ask a couple of things about Philadelphia. You know, yeah. Tony, Tony and I are from a very small town in Pennsylvania, like yeah. three hours from from Philly. And I love Philly. Tony, do you love yes. Philly? I do. I love okay. Philly. Okay, just making sure. Um, so first of all, just for the viewers, mm-hmm. where's the best place to get a cheesesteak? Let's just get into it. Oh, it's the bodegas. It's the it's the dirt the the, the dirtiest places, <laughs> the the places on the corner. Like it's not the pat. What is it? Pats and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We don't go to that. We go we go <laughs> to the random gas stations or whatever <laughs> to get a cheesesteak. Like it's it has nothing to do with like the the glamorous side of it in Philly. But yeah, mm-hmm. I and even just in the suburbs, you can still find a solid like Philly cheesesteak. So don't believe the hype, y'all. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. You heard it. Go get your cheesesteaks. You want to go to the places that don't have the um letter grade of like how the how the uh the restaurant does. You know how they put the letter of like A, B, or C. You want to go not to those places. Yes. No. Yeah. You don't want to go to those places. Yes. <laughs> You want to make sure the bag is like nice and greasy. Yes. Like, you know, when you go in, you kind of question like whether, you know, (laughs) they've been inspected. Like those are the best. Those are the best places. (laughs) Oh, that's it. That's That's the one. So I have to remember that next time I go to (laughs) for sure. Like, yeah, we're definitely we're definitely going to make moves there. Um, So you want from a large city to another large city even a bigger city so right now you are in chicago can you yeah. talk a little bit about that that transitions from philly to to chicago and like what warranted it yeah so when it came to the reason i initially moved it was because of school i wanted to go to fashion school i wanted to go into um like fashion design I didn't want to be in New York because, of course, that's exactly where everyone wants to go when it comes to fashion. I just there wasn't a part of me that wanted to go. No, no offense to anybody in New York. It just was too fast and congested for me. Um, And then my mom was like, no, you're not going to L.A. That's too far. Like California, that's all the way on the other side of the country. So an equal medium was was Chicago. Um, And with everything that happened with my father in high school, um, I really wanted a new, a new beginning, like mm. just something new, something fresh. Uh, I wanted to get away from family, not because I didn't love them, just because I needed a different experience. And I knew that was something that I was going to need. And even though it was hard for me to like navigate Chicago when I got here, I feel like it honestly was the best decision that I that I could make simply because it humbled me, <laughs> to be honest. Like it really humbled me. It really taught me life quickly. Um, and with my type of personality, I think it was needed for me to kind of humble myself and to get me back to some, some of the basics and like really truly understand like, what life really entailed, because even though um, I didn't have, I wasn't as affluent as far as like growing up, I was still blessed. I was still had a a lot of the things that I wanted and needed. 
and to put myself in a situation to where it was just me and I had to provide for myself was a wide, it was an opening. It was just something that I just really truly needed to understand. And it, I honestly think it just kind of made me who I am today. Because if I wouldn't have moved and stayed at home, I think I would be a totally different person than mm. who I am today. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Families have, have a way of kind of keeping us, I don't want to say trapped, but just not allowing us to to grow or step into the people who we can become. Because yeah. I'm sure, especially in the Black community, our families kind of see us as that like, eight-year-old or that 13-year-old or maybe we made a mistake in our high school career and they're like that's what they see us as and then we're also like no like I've been growing and I'm a whole different person and that's kind of the beauty and the curse about family so it's cool to hear you stepped out and chose to like hey no I'm gonna I'm gonna try this on my own and and you're doing it yeah yeah I mean that was what my son is 15 so that was at least 17 years ago I'm still I'm still here still trucking (laughs) one of the things Tony mentioned um, about you is that you are a a meditation coach you also have free guided meditation online yeah I want to kind of pull back what was your first meditation experience like because because the reason why I asked that is because you mentioned um you grew up in the church you you you've you were literally a church girl every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that I feel like meditation isn't necessarily always like a word they use in a church. It is, is it biblical to meditate? You know, we meditate yeah. on the word day and night, but right. what was your first experience of meditation like? Yeah. So my first experience as far as sitting for meditation uh, was a difficult one. I struggled the first time. Um, I was super anxious. I had a tough time sitting still. Um, and I, I like to like tell people that because it's not easy sitting. And I think sometimes people will try it one time and it's like, oh, like it was like, it wasn't the best experience. It was definitely hard. But once I moved past that and got through it and did it a few more times, it helped me to understand myself and really understand what my thoughts actually are in a way to where I can articulate it like outward. A lot of times we have all of our thoughts here and we think them and it goes through our minds, but we never actually take the time to really sit with them because it's scary. Let's be honest, sitting with our thoughts is, <laughs> is not, it's not fun, um, especially when you're being, you're having to be honest with yourself. So even though I struggled that first time, eventually it got me to a point where I was able to be authentic and be honest with myself about what I was feeling, what I needed, what I wanted, um, and not even just the the good things, but the bad things, like understanding like, hey, like you could be better in this area or you could change this or, you know, there's so many different things that you could get insight on just by sitting and meditating, whether it be just for three or five minutes or 10 or 15 minutes. Mm. So often I feel like the terms meditation and mindfulness are used um, interchangeably. Is there a difference in those terms? Yeah. Yeah. So mindfulness just means awareness. So it's just being aware of oneself at any point in time. Meditation just helps us get to that awareness. 
Um, so it's just a tool of a tool, if that makes sense. Um, so when it comes to mindfulness, just, just like, you know, what am I thinking? What am I doing? How am I feeling at any given moment? You can practice mindfulness wherever you are. We, we actually do practice mindfulness, not even thinking about it. Um, or if you even think about if you're driving somewhere and you just were driving and then all of a sudden you made it to your destination, and you didn't even realize like how you even got there. That's when you are operating outside of, um, your presence, right? So when it comes to mindfulness, it's just a matter of being aware of where you are, what you're doing at all times. Meditation is just a exercise. It's just exercise for the mind. Just like we exercise ourselves physically, uh, we have exercises for the mind to help us process our emotions and our feelings. Um, and that's just a part of mindfulness and a way to get there. So why are these things important and why should our listeners be uh, doing doing these practices if they aren't already? I mean, ultimately, meditation and mind mindfulness is important because it just helps us manage our stress. It help us, helps us to cope and process and regulate our emotions and reduce anxiety, reduce um, depression. Um, and it just also just helps us to increase, you know, our ability, our ability to relax, um, even improve our self-esteem. It teaches us how to control our breathing. And if we can control our breathing or in control our breath, we can control our emotions. Our emotions are linked to our nervous system, right? So anytime that our, anytime you get angry or anytime that you um, get depressed, your heart rate changes, right? Your temperature and your body changes, everything changes within the body. And you can regulate that with your breath. So once you're able to control your breath, you can control your emotions. And that's just key to self-control at the end of the day. And if we can go through life managing our lives with within self-control and self-discipline, which is probably one of the hardest things for us to tackle in life. Um, we can do anything, right? We can, we can manage or go through any situation and navigate it in a way to where it's not detrimental to ourselves. Whereas in my past, I might, the two things that was hardest for me to maintain was anger and anxiety. So with meditation, it's helped me figure out a way to mitigate that. And now I'm able to navigate situations. I'm not perfect, but I'm able to navigate them much better than I have in the past. So what I hear you saying is, it's the secret sauce it's to self-control. Yes, yes. If you, can, if you can control your breathing and control your heart rate, and control your nervous system, have like more of a control over it, you can definitely can can navigate any situation. That's where faith and hope and perseverance and all of that comes into play. And a lot of times we're just going off of willpower, right? And willpower eventually is going to run out. <laughs> eventually yeah. it's going to run out. And having different tools that you can move to, especially if you suffer from panic attacks or anxiety attacks, because those are slightly different um, but it, especially if you, if you have those types of things happening, knowing what to do in those moments is like key to being able to calm yourself down instead of going through a spiral. I think we all spiral, whether it be in anger, spiral in depression, spiral in sadness, there's always a spiral of something or anxiety, of course. 
Um, so yeah, it, it definitely is helpful. Sounds like we're getting a, a free TED talk, which is amazing. This is this <laughs> is awesome. Good. First of all, <laughs> um, you so we you 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 mentioned that you moved, you wanted to do fashion, right? And you didn't want to go to LA. You didn't want to go to New York. You went to Chicago, and this sounds nothing like fashion. So how did you get here? You went from fashion to now being a mindfulness coach. Maybe you're still doing fashion. I don't know. But like, how did you get to this point? Listen, the career trajectory is weird. Okay. Like it's just (laughs) all over the place. So when I, um, so I did go to a a fashion school. Um, When I graduated, I did do, or I did an internship and apprenticeship at an image consulting firm um, where I worked with stylists that helped like get people uh, pick out outfits and and, um, revamp closets and, and all of that. I graduated in 2009, which just happened to be another economic downturn uh, (laughs) that we are currently in. It was in at that time. Um, So people weren't hiring stylists or image consultants, and it was just a tough time. So I ended up moving into banking, of all things, Uh, worked in several different banks and then moved into um, higher ed. And then after that, moved into recruiting. Um, so now I'm like an, in tech recruiting, but primarily when it came to being a mindfulness coach, it more so came from life. Um, life happens throughout that time. I went through a divorce, uh, had to like rebuild my life. And, um, with that, and then even going through relationships post-divorce, it just kind of all kind of spiraled to a point to where we made it to 2020 with the pandemic and it just all hell broke loose. loose. Like it was just like, <laughs> I needed something. And even though meditation is, like you said, a part of Christianity, I felt like I didn't have the tools to know what meditation actually was. And a lot of times when we read that scripture, you mentioned it earlier, um, to meditate day and night, I don't know what that looks like, right? Like, I don't, nobody has explained that to me as far as like what meditation really is. And even though other, um, religions have had their blueprint, um, I felt like it was it was great to kind of take what that blueprint looked like, stripped it of anything that had to do with anything spiritual and seeing the practical behind it. Um, and then therefore taking that and applying it to how it would help me within my Christian um, life or my walk with Christ, right? And my thought process behind it is anything that my body does naturally is God. So if my, if my body naturally calms down by shifting my breath, then that's God. If my, if my body ultimately, um, automatically calms down by me just sitting and, and, and listening to my thoughts and and understanding who I am, then that's God. So that's kind of how I gauged how I was going to walk through that. And then from that, that allowed me to say, Hey, if this is the approach that I'm taking, especially when it comes for people who are in the Christian faith, I wonder if me teaching it would be helpful to others in that Christian faith as well. Cause I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that had heard that scripture all my life 
and had no idea what they were talking what they mm-hmm. were talking about yeah. or what it looked like or or how to even execute it and it's like okay am I just supposed to sit here and think like what so giving a blueprint as to like what that's going to look like is um is why I ended up getting to the mindfulness portion of it so so what does it look like for you to meditate on the word yeah so when it comes to meditation specifically on the word I do it all simultaneously right so when I start my day I start with prayer and a lot of times depending on how I feel I'll meditate before I pray so it's like I need to hear before I pray so you know prayer is speaking to God meditation is hearing from God so if I need to hear first before I pray then I'll do meditation first then I pray if I need to pray first to get all of what I need to get out and then hear from God, then I'll meditate afterwards. Um, I'll also integrate my scripture and stuff in there too. So I have my Bible app, like I'll get that out. And there's actually like guided prayer, like on your, the Bible app. So I'll use that. I'll put the little music on in the background, I light a candle, I set the atmosphere um, and then allow myself to let God speak to me. I think for me, just sitting and breathing and like focusing on my breath allows God to speak to me. Even if just this morning, I, you know, gave God my concerns. I'm like, listen, I don't know what's about to happen with this situation, but I need, I need some type of contentment. I need some type of peace. I need some type of reassurance. I need some type of something. And, and, and then I sat and then God was like, well, did you think about this? And I was like, you know what, God? I sure didn't. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I sure did not. Thank you. And 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 that's what I needed. But I think a lot of times when it comes to prayer, we just get down on our knees, say what we got to say and get up and walk away. And we forget to listen. And that's the part. That's what meditation does for me. And I'd never really sat and listened during prayer or after prayer until I actually started to meditate. And I, I love that because it, it sometimes is a one-way conversation. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that I had to learn later in life that like sometimes my prayer just looks a lot with me just sitting and listening and, and entering in that meditation space. One thing you did say earlier that um, you said like whatever your body does naturally, um, that's what God is. And and one thing I wanted to com- uh, comment on that is that I do believe that you calming down, you focusing on your breath, mm-hmm. um, is, is an act of, of obedience to God, because that, what that is, is a fruit of the spirit, because of what it is, is bringing you peace, yeah. um, is, is making you be patient. And I just want to kind of clarify that for anybody who was like, well, she said this, I'm like, no, it, it is, it is a fruit yeah. of the spirit. And I love, I love that you, you do do that. Right. And that you're being mindful enough to be like, Okay, like when I get worked up, if I just focus on my breath, I feel peace. Yeah. And it's reverence, you know, like it's just it's just a matter of like just gratitude and just having the respect for God to say, hey, like I'm just going to sit and I'm going to collect myself before I even approach you. You know what I mean? Just even when you think of just in just in the, the carnal, just thinking about with um, even with dating and relationships, it's like if someone takes their time to really kind of think about how they're going to approach you instead of just be like, Hey ma, 
like you know it, it it's just appreciated a little bit more so it's like even when approaching god like take some reverence take some time to even just listen and sit in silence to reverence him before you even say okay god i got some stuff to talk about so i think i think it's a big part of it and even like within the meditations that i have like on on youtube um a lot of them are Christian based. They're marked as Christian based, but I'll have things like a meditative prayer or uh, a meditation for God's promises. Um, I'm not afraid of the scripture and scriptures is all up in it. <laughs> so, you know, I think that it can definitely be beneficial to enhance our, our relationships with Christ and our relationships with God. Um, because I don't think that my relationship with God would be where it is now without meditation. And that's how I know that it's God. And I think me being in this space is needed simply because of the fact that it's so mainstream now and things can get misconstrued, um, offering a space for people who are Christian to be able to practice in a way to where it enhances and not is not detrimental to our Christian walk. You you just said something I think so key there that you're saying that what you're doing is needed yeah um i think it goes even further than that i think what you're doing because tony and i actually got to experience this mm. um in a space that was pr predominantly black i'm pretty sure um yeah. i did want to ask how important do you think what you're doing or even mental health or meditation is in the black community <laughs> I mean, it's extremely important because we have black trauma. You know, I have meditation specifically for us, for black men, for black women, for for racial trauma, um, just for black people in general. Um, but we have to understand that trauma lives in the body. It lives in our nervous system and it has to be released. And a lot of times we think, oh, you know, we want to pray it away. Yes, prayer works, but you also have to do the work. You know what I mean? Like you, faith without works is dead, right? You have to, you know, of course, pray about it and leave it with God, but you also have to do the work um, for within your mental health on a daily basis. Our mothers carry that racial trauma and they hold it in their womb and then they give birth to us. And we're born with ancestral trauma. We're already born with it. <laughs> so we're already starting out with, with, with the trauma in our body. And, and we have to be able to find the way to release it more than, more than ever, especially now. Yeah. I, I love the conversation of, um, trauma is held in the body because not many people understand that. Yeah. And I didn't really understand it till I read um, The Body Keeps the Score. And it mm. really opened my eyes to like, oh, wow, that childhood trauma that I've never dealt with, my body still knows it. Oh, yeah. Until I release it. Oh, yes. I, I read, um, or I'm actually in the middle of reading, I was looking it up. It's um, called My Grandmother's Hands. So um, good. It's so good. so good. And I got it on Audible just to be able to really sit and listen to it, just like when I'm in the car, but it talks about how trauma is stored in the body. And it's amazing to think about it, but it's 
but it's so true. It's so true. Cause even just in an essence of walking through like a museum and seeing, you know, things from slavery or just seeing things from our past and how emotionally we get attached to it, even though we weren't there. <laughs> We weren't there, but just seeing it or just hearing it, we automatically have an emotional or sometimes a physical response. That's trauma and it's ancestral trauma. We didn't personally experience it, but we still feel that pain. And uh, I think there's so much truth to that. Yes. The the body is truly amazing. Uh, Talk to us about your book. Yeah. So my book's name is Na Self, Let Me Be Great. Um, and it's an inspiration and workbook surrounding self-doubt or how I overcome self-doubt. So I talk through my life, things that I've experienced, and then my way of overcoming self-doubt. And then it gives, it has like workbook questions at the end of each chapter to have you explore your own experience and for you to think through how you can overcome self-doubt for yourself and get you started in the journey. Um, One thing that I noticed through therapy is that um, a lot of the, my behaviors and a lot of the things that I went through was because of self-doubt. And even though I thought, I'm like, I thought I had an ego. I thought I had, you know, I thought I was the bomb, but no, I, that was just a defense mechanism. I didn't think, I didn't believe any of the things that I said about myself. So, um, when it came to writing the book, it was more so of me discovering that through therapy and then starting to journal about it. And then it just kind of morphed into like, hey, I think this could be something that could help other people. It was in the middle of the pandemic. I had nothing else to do. So (laughs) it was just a matter of just like taking my pain and taking the lemon and making lemonade, basically. When I think about self-doubt, I feel like everybody has it, right? Um, I see it a lot with, with women Um, especially black women. But one thing I will say from experiencing you in action, in your, in your element, um, taking Tony and I through a journaling and meditation class amongst other people, the confidence that came out of you and how confident you were just to talk to strangers, to take strangers on a journey, uh, safely. Cause I think that also is, um, important because sometimes i think people take uh can can take something like meditation or even mindfulness and just leave people out to dry yeah but you literally took us on a journey and then you brought us back home safely and i just wanted to compliment compliment you on that and that the confidence that came was really beautiful to see and it also made us feel safe yeah I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, you definitely had a way of having authority in that space, mm-hmm. but also be so welcoming. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, it's good to really hear that because I do work really hard in preparing for those sessions because I don't take them lightly. Mm-hmm. Anytime that I get in front of people, I I don't take it lightly. I pray for myself to decrease and for God to increase. 
I um, pray for any patrons that are coming. So that way I can, my prayer is always that I understand them or I find a way to understand them to give them what they need to hear. Um, and my prayer is always to, if there's an opportunity or, or at any point, if there's a way for me to direct someone back to God or direct someone to God, that I do that. Um, mm -hmm. So even in my prep, I pray before I prep. I pray for before you guys come. I pray. <laughs> I'm always praying, praying in the car, praying, just praying and praying, just because I don't want it to be like that, where there's session where people have been in sessions where they feel like they were picked up and then dropped. And I never want someone to leave a session with me feeling like they didn't get what they needed. Um, or don't have some type of direction or guidance. I felt like I've felt that way coming out of um, therapy sessions. And I had to learn that I needed to shop for a therapist to make sure that I, I found someone that that could speak to me and understand me in a way that I needed to be understood. So it, I love that that you guys felt that way leaving the session. Yeah, absolutely. So throughout this uh, episode, you talked about how therapy has helped you in your life and, and in your personal journey. Talk yeah. to us about how it's helped you in parenting. Yeah. So I would say, by the way, I have two beautiful children, a girl, her name is Carson. She's 13. And my son, Amari, he's 15. Um, so two teenagers, <laughs> <laughs> bless your heart bless bless my heart absolutely <laughs> um but no, they're amazing way. they're amazing they're amazing no i think that um the biggest thing that it helps me to understand is how important emotional intelligence is and how important it is for me to instill that into my children as soon as possible um it also has show me that it is just as important as our academics, if not more. Mm -hmm. And if I can, if I can develop an emotionally intelligent human, that their navigation through life, not to say that it would be easier, but at least they will have the tools that they need to be able to navigate it instead of them trying to figure it, just figure it out and figuring it out at 35 or at 40, like, oh, okay, now I got it. Like I, like I do. <laughs> I want to make sure that I set them up for success before they even, you know, hit, hit the real world. So I think that's the biggest thing. And then also too, I think, understanding that even though they're children that they're people that they're humans mm -hmm. and have they have um good qualities and they have not so great qualities but both of those are are able to be loved and also on the on the interim having them understand that even though I am their parent I'm also a human I am also a person I've also made mistakes and I think a lot of times we put um our parents on a certain pedestal and then expect them to act a certain way or to mm -hmm. be a certain way. I apologize for my to my kids if I do something wrong, um, or if I say something wrong, or if I made them feel a certain way. That's that was unheard of when we were younger, you know. Mm. Um, so, or not just say, say, you know, do as I say, or not mm -hmm. as I do that type of mentality. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm trying to change that with my children and giving them a safe space, but then also letting them know like, okay, I'm still your mama though. Okay. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. 
Um, one thing I like to do with, with Tony is I like to always put him put him out on blast. Um, so I don't have any kids. Tony has a son. How old's Clay now? He's gonna be three this month. Oh my goodness! Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned about you instilling emotional intelligence. Um, in your in your kids now, your kids are a lot older than three. Yeah. Um. So, what advice would you give Tony or even our listeners how they can do that? Because I think what you said was very key that our parents, especially in the black community, did not do some of those things. Like apologize. What? Right. Apologize <laughs> for what? Exactly. I said what I said, but what you right. said was wrong, though. Their apology was like, "You hungry? You want right. something to eat?" Right. Okay. Yo. Yep. <laughs> So how does how 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 are you doing it? How can you encourage a parent to do it? Like what is what is working, what is not working? I think listening is most important. Just taking the time to really hear from them um and taking action on, you know, what and what on what you're hearing. Um I think for me the biggest thing was to even if it's comfort uncomfortable or if it's cringy or if it feels weird, just keep talking to them. Give them space to, to have the com give them space to have the conversations that they want to have. And don't be afraid of what may come out of their, their mouths. Cause you'll be afraid of you you'll figure out like that, but oh, you know about that? Oh, okay. All right. Well, all right. Well, we're we're here. Let's go ahead. Let's let's talk about it. Um, so I would say listening, even at the younger, the younger ages, um, just listening to all their little stories and, and just paying attention to, you know, their emotions and their, and then also just paying attention to their personality at that time, they're like kind of building what their personality is and getting a good, a good understanding of what that looks like. So that way, when it comes to parenting them, parenting them based on what their needs are, I did have my kids, once your three-year-old gets old enough, I did have them take a love language test because they do have it for kids or for teenagers and understanding how they like to receive love and giving that to them as much as possible. My son is physical touch. So I I give him so many hugs and, and, and just give him just whatever he needs, especially if I can tell he had a long day at school. Um, my daughter is quality time. So she likes to sit and watch TV shows and eat together and go shopping and, and all of that stuff. So just paying attention to what they want, what they want and what they need, how they want to be loved, and then taking an interest in what they find is fun. So my son was volleyball. I make sure to go to, to the games, ask him questions about the game, um, ask him, like just be curious about the things that are, mm. are important to them in their world. That's so good. Yeah, the the best piece of advice I I'd ever gotten was to meet logic with logic and emotion with emotion. Mm. So yeah. Um what keeps you showing up? Man, what keeps me showing up is my purpose. Um, the thought of knowing that someone else's healing or opportunity or blessing is contingent on whether I walk in my purpose is what what keeps me going. Because if I'm not working walking in my purpose, then who else is suffering by me not walking in it? Um, that's what makes 
that was that's what gets me up in the morning. Um, I also do like a personal statement, and it's crazy because my personal statement, um, my personal statement, I developed before I became a meditation coach. So my personal statement is that with God, I am one who sparks creativity, compassion, healing, and ambition in the hearts and minds of myself and others. And the fact that I wrote that and I started reciting that before I became a meditation coach or a mindfulness coach or even writing my book tells me that that, that was definitely my purpose. So, yeah. I love that. Y'all gonna have to listen to that. Rewind it, write it down, <laughs> record it. Buy that make book. It, make, buy that book. Yes, buy that book on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I had, I had two follow-ups. Um, first follow-up is you I hear your passion behind meditation, behind mindfulness. I hear your your passion and and honor you have of being a mother and listening to your your children and loving on them. But yeah. what do you do for fun? Like what 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 is something that like you do for you? Because I hear I hear like a lot of seriousness, which is great. Yeah. But what is what do you do for fun? I am a fun bunny. Um, so I love the self-care aspect of just being a single woman. Um, so I'm a spa girl. I'm a spa girly. I will go to the spa and stay there all day. Like I went last weekend and I got there at maybe, I would say like a 12 noon. I left at 10 p.m. So I will stay there all day. Um, I'm also a creative, so I just love like making things. So I like making decor. The fashion part is still a part of me, even though um, I haven't operated it in it in a long time. Haven Inspired does have t-shirts and fashion and all that stuff. Haveninspiredstyle.com. Check it out. There you go. Uh, <laughs> um, but so that I'd like to do the creative side or, or tap into the creative side of me I, and shopping, I would say is it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, one last question for me, um, and then Tony will ask one more. Um, so we had Whitney on the podcast and oh, I remember I remember vividly we were getting ready to leave. Uh, yeah. Coffee, hip hop, and mental health, and y'all started talking about dating. Yeah. So immediately, I was intrigued because I love talking about relationships. But you guys yeah. brought up this term, and she defined it. But I want to hear your your definition of hobosexual because you mentioned <laughs> you're a single woman. So I I, I just I just want to know like what that means to you. Listen, hobo <laughs> hobosexual is a man that is. It pressed for somewhere to live and he uses relationships to find his next hotel okay and I have come across a few and it, and a lot of them are very like very cunning in how mm -hmm. they do this so some of them will can't wait they be like okay I, I met you like a week ago and I want to move in so those you know off the bat like okay he a hobo but there's some that they're very patient and they wait mm. and then they, they slowly bring things to the house or all of a sudden there's a bag at the front door. And I'm like, sir, what, what's happening? So you got to be very careful of hobosexual, uh, hobosexuals, especially when 
um, you're in the uh, the Chicago area because it gets cold during during some months. And when it gets cold, they come out heavier than it does in the warm months. So just be just be careful between November and March. OK, <laughs> you, you guys heard it here first. You got a official warning. Be on watch. <laughs> Just watch out. Just watch out. Make sure you know, you know, if he has his own place, see how many, if he got any roommates, just double check to see if he has room. And does he have a bedroom? Mm. Because a lot of times he'll have roommates, but he's sleeping on the couch. So you gotta be, you gotta be careful. You gotta ask follow-ups. <laughs> yeah, these are, follow these are uh, solid tips. Um <laughs> Debbie, what does it mean for you to be authentically you? Yeah, um, to be authentically me is just being able to be myself no matter the audience. Um, so no matter where I find myself, I'm not altering or changing myself based off of who's around me. Um, not picking and choosing when I'm dimming my light or when I'm letting my light shine, just allowing my light to shine wherever I go. Um and just walking in my purpose um, and walking in that purpose with boldness and courage, um, feeling the fear and but doing it anyway. That's that's the mm. that's me being authentic. Yeah. That's good. What's so cool about hearing this is like we got to witness it. Right. Yeah. And it was it was really cool to see you to see you actually literally do these things, because I, I know it's probably like a constant thing you have to tell, tell yourself, like, yeah. you know what? Don't dim your light, especially as a black woman, don't dim your light, like let it shine bright. And if it's too bright for some people, they can put sunglasses on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it is and it. And you can start it with just taking little steps. My little steps was like, you know, when interviewing, stop, you know, flat ironing my hair every time mm. I go. Mm. Um, I, before, way back when, in the beginning of my career, I was told by a black woman, an older black woman, like, hey, like when you do your interviews now, make sure you flat iron your hair, make sure it's straight, make sure it's, you know, you're, you're presentable <laughs> is the word that's used. And because of that, I have, I would never, I have, would have never done an interview, like with my hair not being straight. And now, well, I don't care, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it with my little pigtails. You know, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter just showing up. And then also, you know, the code switching, it's like, you know, I'm talking to you guys like this and then I switch it up. Like, okay, now it's time. Like, no, like, no, y'all going to get this. <laughs> and if you don't like it, you can kick rocks. <laughs> right. Right. And when, when you were doing like, when we were at, you know, the, the journaling and meditation, yeah. It's like you were very professional. Yeah. But then you also were like authentically you because I was like, yeah. she's not from Chicago. <laughs> and that's why I went up and asked you. I'm like, where are you from? And you're like, Philly. <laughs> Did it come out? I'm like, it for show came out. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely try to like make sure because like and it's weird because sometimes my Philly vernacular comes out. But then you can also tell I lived in Chicago for a while. So it's my accent can it switch up it's ebbs it's and so flows weird. yes it's just like it's next one moment like you drawing and then the next minute it's like oh my god he down the street yeah so it it just kind of comes out 
<laughs> oh man well thank you so much for for sharing these things giving us a little bit of um mindfulness coaching i think it was amazing but it's time to transition to our next segment which is called rapid fire now this is where we ask you three questions mm -hmm. and it's gonna be the first thing that come to mind don't pass go don't collect 200 don't ask your children first thing that come to mind okay these don't are super, meditate about it. Right, right. Super right. deep. I'm, I'm, don't hold me to whatever comes out my mouth. <laughs> so um, my heart. <laughs> we've been asking all the, what do you call a person? Chicagoans? Chicagoans, yeah. Chicagoans. Where's the best pizza in Chicago? Giordano's. Okay. We, is that, we, we went there, right, Tony? Okay. We heard mixed reviews about it. Just saying. Well, can I expand on that? Sure. Okay. So people who are from here most likely don't think that Giordano's is the best pizza. Since I'm not from here and people that are from here don't eat there often, right? It's like a specialty type of thing. So I don't go there often, but when I do, it's amazing. Like the com but the common pizza that I would eat wouldn't be like the normal deep dish pizza but you have to go if you've never been here you have to go to giordano's you have to like i wasn't mad at it when we went yeah it, it's good it's just not your everyday pizza like that's not the go-to like if i just want to slice like that's not where i'm going to go that's a specialty thing you know and you that you got to eat it with a fork it's just a lot so <laughs> but it's delicious i'll take it <laughs> all right all right well when was the last time you didn't feel enough? Mm, when I was laid off. And that was recently. Yeah. Cause I, like I said, I was in tech recruiting and I worked at a very affluent company, very large tech company. And um, they laid off thousands. And that was the part, the part that that was the time where I was like, oof, this is going to be a rough one, but I got through it. I got through it. <laughs> yeah, you did. Our last question is, would you rather have all your Google searches or all of your photos on your phone made public? So either all the Google searches you've ever done or all of your photos on your phone made public. Mm. I'll say photos. Because I'd be searching stuff that I just be seeing. <laughs> And it's like, or if like, if I see like a movie or a show and I just like search, but I, or they see like a word or something, I'm like, what is that? And then you Google it and it'd be something crazy. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have Googled that. So I would rather my photos. Like, I don't really have like a lot of crazy, like obscene, uh, insane photos. It's mo mainly my kids and me taking selfies <laughs> <laughs> and content for, <laughs> for Instagram. There it is. <laughs> uh, Debbie, thank you so much uh, for this time. We really appreciate it. Uh, please let the people know where they can find you. Yes, of course. You can find me at Haven Inspired, H-A-V-E-N Inspired um, on Instagram, as well as on YouTube, if you're wanting guided meditations, as well as TikTok. Um, you can also look up um, haveninspired.com if you're interested in doing some meditation and journaling uh, classes virtually with me. 
Um, and then I am in person here and there at different locations, but just follow me on Instagram and you'll see the updates on those. Awesome. Thank you so much for all that guys. Follow her. We'll also link those things in our description, but Debbie until next time, be authentic in everything that you do. So, so good. I just feel like Chicago is like just the place. Yeah, like all of our listeners are going to listen to all of our Chicago interviews and be like, I got to go now. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is our Chicago month. So we're just throwing all our Chicago people on here. Um, man, to hear Debbie talk about like how important meditation is. I think one thing she mentioned about like even growing up, growing up in the church, right? They talk about meditating on the word, but they don't show you how to meditate on the word. So the fact that she is paving a way for Christians, non-Christians, black people, non-black people to, to learn how to meditate on their own. She is definitely a pioneer. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when she talked about, you know, when I pray, I talk to God, but my meditation is listening to God. It it was like, oh my gosh, that that makes sense. And I think I wish we would um, talk more about the practicality of what it looks like to meditate on the word of God in Christian circles. Yeah. Yeah. So guys get her book first of all. And then also she has uh, meditation classes. Like she mentioned on her Instagram, she posts weekly. So join one. They're virtual. Uh, Tony, and I actually got to do one in person, which was amazing, but you guys know what time it is. It's the time of all times. It is the friendship quiz the quiz where you get to figure out if i know tony or if tony knows me or if we're just faking this the whole thing we're not we just don't know a lot (laughs) right right so tony what you got for me so this might be a tricky one it might be an easy one it should be easy because we've talked about this so in in high school what class did we have together and who was the teacher wow Tony the teacher though okay it was it was a science class so the class is the main question and you get bonus points for the teacher okay that's fair It it was a science class I don't know if it was biology Oh, yeah, it was biology, right? Yeah. I know exactly where it was. I know where you sat. I know where I sat. Yep. Okay, guys, that's when our high school was getting re-renovated. So there was no carpet in the high school nope. at all because they pulled nope. it all up. So we were in a science class. There was black tables, concrete. I have no clue who the teacher was, to be honest. Do you know who the teacher was? Yeah. Who? Mrs. Wine. Ah... Uh, yeah. 
she's not in my memory bank. You know, there's some teachers that are like in your memory bank. Bank. Yep. Oh yeah. She's not in my memory bank. Sorry, Miss Wyatt. Love you still. <laughs> Does that count though? Did I get it right? Yeah. Oh, you got that. Perfect. You got that quick. Yes, because I remember that's when you got that fresh haircut. Um, after uh, Casey. Casey passed away. You got like her initials yes. in there. Yes. I remember. Look at that. We Look are friends, you, guys. Man. We are. We weren't friends then, but we're friends now. We don't. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like we became friends like shortly after. Yes. Yes. So after I trusted you. Yeah. You did nothing wrong. I just, I was a jerk. You know what? Maybe maybe we'll get into that one day. Like how we became friends. We should. I feel like they they deserve it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Guys, again, thank you so much. Hey, again, we need your support. Share us, give us a review, like us. Um, and until next time, y'all, be authentic in everything that you do. Peace. Peace.